0: All right, we are continuing our series as we look at who Jesus is by looking at different names of Jesus. And today we're going to look at a name that is found in Genesis and in Revelation. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn me to Genesis 49 and then get ready to go to Revelation chapter 5. I encourage you to bring your Bibles to church, whether it's paper edition or digital, to be able to take notes and uh, to read along. Of course, we always have the words on the screen. But we want you to have that right there, and it's important that you read it and get it in your life. And uh, today, uh, we're building on the names, and each week the names are going to be what I would call, they'll stand alone. You don't, if you miss one week, you're not out of place, but love for you to go back and watch online and see what's there and be able to get caught up. But last week, we looked at the last Adam and today we're going to look at a name for Jesus that's called the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. And just curious, if you knew that that was a name for Jesus, go ahead and raise your hand and say, I knew that the Lion of the Tribe of Judah was a name for Jesus. Okay, so about a fourth, maybe a third of the people knew that. That is a name for Jesus. And, and how many are glad that we've got a name for Jesus that's strong, right? It's like the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. That's a, that's a good name. We're going to take a look at that. I'll give you the history of where it comes from. It comes from Genesis 49, where Jacob is blessing his children, and he's praying a blessing over them, and he gets to his son, Judah. And so over Judah, he's going to pray a blessing, and this blessing that he prays over him is actually prophetic, okay? He's not just praying. He is praying a prophetic prayer that is going to come to pass in the future, and it refers to Jesus, Okay, so in Genesis 49, Jacob's blessing his son Judah, and he says this, You, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your fingers on your enemy's throat while your brothers honor you. You're a lion's cub, Judah, home fresh from the kill, my son. Look at him, crouched like a lion, king of beasts. Who dares mess with him? The scepter shall not leave Judah. He'll keep a firm grip on the command staff until the ultimate ruler comes and the nations obey him. He'll tie up his donkey to the crape vine, his pure bed prize to a sturdy branch. He will wash his shirt in wine and his cloak in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. So, this is the origination of it. He's praying this blessing on Judah and he says, you're a lion's cub, you're a lion, you are strong, Judah. You are gonna crush your enemy. And so this is where it starts. Then we go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter five. The apostle John has been taken up into heaven and God is giving him a glimpse of how the end of the world is gonna come about. He's giving him a glimpse of what's going on in heaven and he's giving him a glimpse of things to come and Revelation is talking about the end of this world. And so in this vision, in in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaim in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who is worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So this is where we get it from. We have Genesis, first book of the Bible. We have Revelation, last book of the Bible. And we see the lion of the tribe of Judah. And if you're going to grab any name for your Savior, for your Lord, and you're you're the Israeli, you're the Jewish people, you're thinking, we want a strong mascot. We want a great name. We want the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's a great mascot. If you need a mascot, that's a good one. I don't know, Detroit Lions, Right? I mean, when they're playing bad, the fans call them the Detroit Motor City Kitties, but that's another point. you got Nittany Lions, you got University of North Alabama Lions. I didn't know this. I think Gustavus, they're, they're the Lions. They have Gus. We have a few people from there. All right. Uh, in high school, I was at uh, Jesus is Lord Academy. That was the name of the high school I went to. And uh, try telling that to your high school friends. Like, hey, where are you, man? You're not at Burnsville High School anymore. Where do you go? Jesus is Lord Academy. All right, so that's where I went. And uh, we are the lions, and we have a theme verse, Proverbs 30:30, 30, because 30, it talks about a lion. It says, A lion mighty among beasts, who retreats before nothing. I mean, if you need a name for your savior, the lion, that's a good one. That's a great mascot, if you will. I mean, by the way, who named Minnesota, the University of Minnesota? Who thought of gophers? <laughs> the gophers, you know, we're like. Gophers. I mean, LSU's got tigers, Wisconsin has badgers. We're the gophers. So I would petition to change that. That's weak, anyways. But, anyways, moving on. Lion of the tribe of Judah. I mean, no wonder Israel could be proud of this one because lions are strong. Lions are ferocious. They're king of the jungle. I mean, when you go into a zoo, you're like, where are the lions? You can hear them roaring. The roar comes through you. People go into the zoo and they're like, where are the lions? They never say, where are the gophers? They're just like lions. <laughs> strong. Okay. When I was in the Masai Mara and I was out there in, in, in Just with these animals and the wildlife, we came across a lion. He was the male lion, and he was guarding a, a water buffalo that his pride had killed. And he was guarding it. He was just sitting there all by himself. His whole pride was gone, but it was just him. It was incredible. There were hyenas off in the distance. There were vultures over there on the ground. And if they got too close to this, all of a sudden the lion who was just sitting there would just bow up. And he, I mean, just, and he charged like just a few steps. Hyenas just running off. It was like Mufasa, Mufasa. I mean, they were like freaked out, man. It was just incredible to be there. The vultures, and it was just amazing. And the next morning we got up really early we went there. We drove right to the spot where he was, and when we got there, there were 20 lions there, and they had devoured this thing. All that was left was the rib cage there, and the little cubs were walking through the rib cage of this animal, and the lions were all just laying around burping. It was incredible. I mean, just the power and the strength. And I was joking around with our guide. I go, Can we get out and pet him? And he's like, Where are you from? I was like, I was just kidding. I know they're king of the jungle, you know. Lions. Lion of the tribe of Judah, that's a great strong name. Matter of fact, lions are mentioned in the Old Testament more than any other animal. Lions. So you can see where the people were going. Gra- I, I had to really research that because I thought donkey. I had to put my money on donkey because they rode on donkeys, lost their donkeys, had talking donkey, you know what I mean? It's like I would have put my... But lions... Lions, and you can understand it as Jewish history progresses, track with me, as it, it, as it progresses, the blessing in Genesis 49 takes on a, a messianic promise with it, and, and it gets into this thought of the Messiah. And for those of you that don't know what that means, the word Messiah means Savior, Liberator, Deliverer. And so the Jewish people, whenever they'd be oppressed, whenever they were held captive or slave, they'd be thinking, the lion. The of the tribe of Judah is going to set us free. The Lion is going to come and crush our enemy. The Lion with one swipe of his paw will crush our enemies. That's who we're waiting for. Someday our Messiah is coming. And we know from Genesis 49, we know he's coming from the family of Judah. And he's going to just crush our enemies. I'm sure that they sang songs about how strong the Lion of the tribe of Judah was. Just like some of us did in the charismatic years. How many remember the charismatic renewal in the 70s? We sang a bunch of songs. They were in the E minor chord. I was part of that. I was a kid, and we do that. Dun, 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 dun. How many? You want know, to admit to that? But all right. he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus took our chains, broke them and free. How many remember that song? You're, you're like ashamed. You're like, just wipe. I I can't believe church grew back then. But anyways. I'm sure they had songs, he's the lion and he's going to kill the Romans. You know what I mean? I'm sure they're like, come on, lion. That's what they're thinking. So you can see like Jesus, lion, and they're thinking lion is coming. Now, here's the thing about the lion of the tribe of Judah and this name. We're about to get an amazing curveball thrown at us by the Apostle John. In Revelation chapter 5, if we keep reading where I just left off, you're going to see that This is a huge difference, huge difference. In Revelation chapter five, I'll start in verse five. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep, see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb. What? (laughs) Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And just for a second, the seven horns and the seven eyes meant this. The horn was a symbol of power and seven was a number of perfection. And it was saying that the lamb had all power. It was a a statement that the lamb was omnipotent. It had all the power in the world. It was saying that it had seven eyes, which meant that it was omnipresent, that it could be everywhere, that it saw everything. And these are attributes of God. And so John's like, the lamb. I'm looking for the lion of the tribe of Judah, and I've got the lamb. But the lamb has all the power and all the authority, and it's, a, it's not what I was expecting. And he says, he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And if I could stop there for just a moment, that's why we're so passionate about global project and missions. Because we believe that the lamb has paid the price so that people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation can stand before God. And until everyone's heard about the message of Jesus Christ, we're gonna bring it out there because we want somebody from every tribe and every nation and every tongue to be there in his presence because he paid the price for them. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 and don't lose the math right there. It's millions of people, millions there in the presence of God. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshipped the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lion. At this moment, we're expecting a lion. We're expecting like Aslan. We're expecting some bold lion to come on the scene. And all of a sudden, John sees a lamb, a wounded lamb, still showing that it was sacrificed. And he's saying, wait a minute, the the lion is a lamb. The the strength is weakness. The, The lion is a lamb. And he's like, no, no, wait, wait. The lamb is opening the seals and starting everything at the end time. The la- I thought it's supposed to be a lion. And you can see the, this a- a- amazing mixed metaphor there. The lion is the lamb, and he couldn't be further apart. I mean, one has power and strength, commands respect, is cunning, is afraid of nothing. The other is weak and doesn't command respect, is afraid of everything. One is the hunter. One is the prey. One is put in a zoo with bars. The other one's in a petting zoo. The lion, I mean, the lion of the tribe of Judah is the lamb that was slain. So, what's the meaning of this? I think this: God's strength is disguised as weakness. God's got all the power and all the authority and all the strength. And instead of crushing, he comes in and lays down his life. He's he's disguising his strength as weakness. And the world looks at it and says, that's foolish. The cross? That's foolish. It looks like weakness, but it's actually strength. That's why the the zealots and the people around Jesus couldn't understand it. They were thinking, no, no, you're the lion. You're supposed to crush our enemies. And they could understand it. And that's how we probably get this understanding. Like, the Old Testament God, he's so meat, and, and he wants to crush people. And, and you read these scriptures, and they're like, crush your enemies, God. Crush them. And God's like, you don't understand. I have the ability to do that. But I'm going to totally come in in weakness and meekness. And I'm going to win the battle that way. That's the way he works. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 1:27 through 29. God chose the foolish thing in the world to shame the wise God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God's like, My strength is disguised in weakness. You thought I was going to crush everybody, and I came in and laid down my life. The lion is the lamb. Now, another thing that I think from this is God is in control. God is in control even though it looks like weakness and meekness and we're like, come on, God, you should crush him. He's like, I'm in control. This is my plan. I'm in total control. That's why Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, his disciples are there with him. They've got two swords, the Bible tells us, and all of a sudden they come to arrest Jesus and they're ready to fight. They draw their swords. They've got two of them and Jesus says this in Matthew 26, put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you not think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? He's like, guys, I've got it under control. And they're like, no, you're supposed to be the lion. You're supposed to crush them. We're supposed to kill the Romans. We're supposed to have a general. You're supposed to be our savior, our lion. It's our mascot. Strength, strength, strength. And God's like, no, no, I'm in control, and it's going to be meekness. And I know this, I just believe it, that Jesus, when he told his disciples this, he's like, put away the swords. We don't need to do that. I think he just whispered because he was in total control, like the ultimate strong, tough guy. How many know what I'm talking about? Like Clint Eastwood, go ahead, make my day. I mean, just like soft, you know, you know, superhero, strong guys, they don't need to be loud. It's like, I'm Batman. You know what I mean? It's just like soft. <laughs> and then you got Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson's like, <laughs> you're like, I don't know. I don't want that. You know, it's quiet, quiet, right? That's, I'm sure Jesus is like, put away the sword. It's all good. I got it under control. This is my plan. And you're like, come on, crush him, take him out. It's all good. It's all good. This is my plan. I'm in control right now, guys. I have all authority, all the power. I am the lion, but my plan is to lay down my life as the lamb. I'm in charge right here. It's working. I've got a plan that's going on. What if God would have come in like the lion, like everybody thought, and crushed Everyone? And Jesus would have just, you know, went after him, And it was all different. We served like warrior God. I mean, we'd be in church, like totally different experience. We'd be like, okay, warrior, are you, we're good? We're, all right. You know, you're not mad at us, are you? Yeah, you know, I mean, (laughs) right? But instead we come in and we go, wow. Wow. You laid down your life. The lion became a lamb. Now we can worship a savior that doesn't crush people, but he lays down his life. And he says, I'm in control. I've got all the power in the world, but I'm in control and I have a plan. And I wanna tell you this, you might be thinking, God, where are you? Where are you? I mean, I've got, I, I'm trying to serve you. You're the lion, you're strong, you're mighty in battle. And, and where are you? I need you to show up. And you're like thinking, where's your plan? And I'm telling you this right now, He's got a plan. He's in control. Don't worry about it. Your situation is under control. He's got a plan. He does. He's got all the power in the world, and he's got a plan. And when I was younger, I used to get so upset. I used to, when things didn't go the way that I had planned them, I, I would immediately get all angry and think like, God, where are you? I mean, we are trying to rent that building, and they won't rent to us, and they're standing in our way. I mean, this is ridiculous. We're trying, Lion of the tribe of Judah, put fire on, you know I mean? I was like, you know. God's like, that's just stupid. Okay. <laughs> now, now as I'm older and a little more mature, still high-strung, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm like, Lord, what's going on? I'm sure you have another plan. I'll settle down and try to figure this out because you're probably going to do like this. I think you're going to go like this, and you're going to go like this. How many know that's like God's specialty? You're like, conquer them. And he's like, nope, nope, we're gonna go this way. You're gonna suffer, and they're gonna come around, and then you're still gonna cover up. You're like, oh man. <laughs> the lion is the lamb. He, he's got a plan, he's in control. You've got to trust him. Now, in the end, this lamb gets an amazing roar, and we'll look at this in one of our other uh, names, the Word of God, in Revelation 19, but also in Revelation chapter 6, there is a moment where the lamb has an incredible roar as, as there's a battle going on, and in Revelation 6:15 through 17, it says, Then the kings of the earth, and the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, follow us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne And from the wrath of the lamb, for the great day of their wrath is coming. Who can withstand it? So there's a moment where the lamb has a roar as he defeats all the evil of this world. But right now, God's saying, I've got a plan. The lion is the lamb. And so for us to apply this, I think we win in humility and meekness. I think we win in humility and meekness. And instead of trying to get the majority or the strength or stranglehold on it or conquering or this, God's like, guess what? Get rid of the title, grab the towel. You're going to win in serving and humility and meekness. Now, we don't, we don't like that, most of us, but it's true. We don't like it because inside we're like, oh, suffering and struggle and I like strength. Lion, I like that. Nobody really likes it at first until you win the victory. The Old Testament, they didn't like it. They're like, crush our enemies. The New Testament, they're like, Jesus, do you want us called call down fire? He's like, no, we're not in the fire business. You know, we're not gonna do that. You know, leader of revolt, Jesus is coming in. They're like, okay, you a king, or a warrior. Come on, what do you want to ride into Jerusalem? A big stallion? He's like, a donkey. Like, okay. <laughs> Can we find a strong donkey, you know? He's yeah. like, I'm coming in in humility. He's dying on the cross. Nobody likes humility, and meekness until they win the victory. And when you win the victory, all of a sudden you get it. Like, wait a minute. Here's the thing. If Jesus told us to be tough and angry and mean and win by the edge of the sword, how many know there's always going to be somebody else that's going to rise up that's going to be tougher, meaner, stronger, have a better weapon, and you just can't always battle like that. But when you say meekness, you say, no, I'll serve you. No, I'll serve you. No, I'll serve. No, I'll go lower. No, I'll, I'll be more humble. No, you can, I'll, I'll do the least, I'll take the lowest job. How do I know? It's like you get to the low, and they're like, how can they out-serve you? So you keep going, no, no, no. It's kind of like softer, 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 It just keeps going softer until you're so soft. How can they get any softer? And he's like, that's how you're going to win. That's how you're going to do this. I mean, again, it just maybe you're, you can relate. I mean, you just got to learn this. God's not in the fire-calling business and the... Lion crushing. He's in the lamb. Lay down your life business right now. That's what he's doing. So he's calling us to. I can remember different city, different time. I owned a, a house and a lot that I wanted to split in half, and it was an acre, and I wanted to make two half-acre lots. And I showed up at the city council planning meeting in Wisconsin, and all my neighbors showed up to protest me splitting my lot. Their lots were all half-acre. Half Mine was the old farmhouse on an acre. And they all stood against me and, you know, and the city's like, yeah, sorry, there's too many people standing against you. We're not going to let you do it. And I can remember leaving there going, you know, crush them, Lord, crush my neighbors. And, yeah. <laughs> and God's like, really? And then I realized he's not in that business. He's saying, can you outserve them? Can you outlove them? It's not about that. Let it go. Some of you need to hear that. You're going to win the victory through meekness and humility and taking on the attributes of the lamb, not the lion. Our strength is in the weakness, the meekness. Our strength is in laying down our rights, suffering. Our strength is in turning the other cheek. That's where we get the victory. Our strength is loving our enemies rather than calculating how we can get back at them. Our strength is in the last will be first. Our strength is in laying down our rights our strength is in our weakness paul said it confounds the world when god takes weak people and does amazing things through them some of you need to thank god for your weakness you say i thank god for it i am not the brightest i'm not the sharpest but boy i make everybody go crazy because god just confounds them through my weakness hey guess what i've got this physical limitation but god confounds them through my weakness and you say god here's the deal I will take on the attributes of the lamb and not the lion. And again, somebody else who want to follow Jesus like, I'll do anything bold and strong for you, and I'll use this for you. And he's like, lay down your life for me. And he's like, just take on the attributes of the lamb. Revelation 12, 11 says this. They triumphed over him, and that was meeting the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they didn't love their life so much as to shrink from death. Now, a lot of people have used this scripture to say, we need to overcome the enemy by sharing the word of our testimony. And testimony services are good. And if you've ever been a part, I encourage you in a life group, we have this really cool where you can to share what God's doing and have really like a testimony service. And you can share what God's doing. But that's not what this scripture means. What it means is you're going to overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb because he laid down his life. And the word of your testimony and the word that's used there is actually the same word for martyr. And it's saying the word of your testimony saying you're going to follow God even to the point that if he says lay down your life, you will. You're going to take on the ultimate thing. You're going to say, you know what? If you want to kill me, go ahead. But I'm going to lay down my life so that you can know Jesus. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to lay it down so that convicts you and you get drawn to God. Our strength is in our weakness in saying, God, whatever I have, use it for your glory. And let me just say this. If you have wealth, or education, or power, or influence, or ownership, or whatever you have, you keep using that for God's glory, but you need to lay it down. Because if he says go, you need to let it go. You don't argue and say, but God, I have this. this." If he says go, he's got a bigger plan. Use it until he says then. Be thankful for whatever you have. But if he says lay it down, you obey and do what he says for you to do. It couldn't be illustrated any better than by a missionary by the name of Thomas Waring. Thomas Waring grew up in Britain, and he was a very wealthy young man. His father owned uh, businesses and was very affluent. And when Thomas Waring went to church one day, he went to a church very first time, and while he was there, he heard the message of Jesus Christ, and he said, I give my life to you, Jesus. And when he went forward to pray with someone, like a prayer team member, he prayed, I give my life to you, Jesus, whatever you want me to do. And he felt God speak to him, Thomas, I want you to go to Africa. So he went home and he told his dad, he said, Dad, I went to church and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. His dad was not excited for that. And he said, and guess what else, Dad? God called me to Africa to be a missionary. And his father said, no, he didn't. He said, your name is to be in gold letters above the company. That's your destiny. Thomas continued to pray, and he said, I really feel God has called me to the mission field. And his dad said, all right, here's the deal. Thomas, you don't go to the mission field. I'll send 12 missionaries for the rest of their life to Africa in your place. I'll pay for their whole thing. They'll never have to itinerate. They'll never need a dollar. I'll send those 12. You stay. They go. So he went to prayer that day, and he's like, God, what a deal. This must be it. You called me so that he'd send 12. This makes sense. You're going to use all this wealth to send 12 instead of one. And God said to him in prayer, I didn't ask you to give your money. I asked you to give your life. Will you go? It would make total sense. It would make total sense. God, lion, strength, money, degrees, all this, this is what you must mean, right? And God's like, no, I called you to do this. And so Thomas went and told his father, was written off, and for 50 years went and was a missionary to Africa because God said, go. God said, take what you have. You have all this and lay it down. I can just, I can just hear your mind. Some of you are thinking, no, no, Lord, no. I want to use the power that I have to make your name famous. He may allow you to do that. That may be his plan. But here's the thing. You've got to hold loosely to it. You really have to lay it at his feet. You really have to lay it at his feet and say, God, You've given me degrees and wealth and influence and ownership and all this, and I will use it for your glory and for your honor. But guess what? If you call me, I will leave everything and follow the call because you ask for obedience, and I will follow you. I will overcome to the point of even laying down my life because there's strength in the meekness, in the humility, in taking on the attributes of the lamb and not the lion. So Lord, I pray for us right now. I especially pray for people right now that are powerful, have great degrees, great wealth, great influence, great ownership. Everything within them says, here's my plan, here's my strength. God, use my celebrity status, use my influence, use my wealth, use my authority. And it'd be amazing if you were able to do that and you were able to use them in that way. But I pray they'd hold on to that very loosely. And instead of even holding on to it right now, they'd lay it at your feet. They say, God, here's my degrees, here's my wealth, here's my ownership, here's my influence, here's my celebrity, here's whatever I have, it's yours. And if you call me to an obscure place to lay down my life, I will take on the attributes of the lamb and not the lion. Thank you, Lord. We can learn so much about you. The lion is the lamb. The lion is the lamb. We just pray, God, that we'd overcome this world by the way we serve them, by the way we love them, by the way we lay down our rights and our life and say, we serve the King of kings. He's the Lamb of God. I thank you for this. Blessings on your church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.